0: We're just believing God for amazing things. It was Mike and Taryn, I believe, who were back at the doors, and they were looking out at the uh, parking lot and said, Pastor, what are we going to do when we run out of parking spaces? And uh, we may just have to ride together, or we'll just park up and down the driveway. Whatever we got to do, we'll do it. But uh, that, that's, that's, that's all right. We're, we're thankful for growth. Aren't you thankful God is growing the church? <laughs> Jeremiah 29, is a passage that most of you are familiar with. We have referred to at times, especially of late, more than once. And and how could you not? How could you not? Because in this day and age of of, uh, where we're at, societally, worldwide, when we look at where we're at as individuals and family units, this passage is incredibly encouraging for this is the Lord saying I know the thoughts that I have toward you saith the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end Have you ever wondered how your life how your life was going to work out how's it going to end Um, I have heard messages that were encouraging. I've tried to preach messages that were encouraging that this is not how it ends. This is not how your life is going to end. Uh, We were were trying to encourage Tony and Shelly Sunday. I was so glad that they were able to be in service despite setbacks to her health and physical issues. And I I have felt for a couple times that we have talked to her to share a particular thought. And that is that um, it's not always going to be this way. In fact, there will be a point in time you will look back and it will be hard to believe that this was life as normal. There are people here today that five years ago, ten years ago, you were in situations that were so dire and so dark. You were living through things that, that honestly did not have a way out. There were those of you that were in sicknesses, that the prognosis just kept getting worse. The diagnosis was more dire every time you went to the doctor. And uh, as a result, it just looked like things were going to get worse and worse until what? Um, and, 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 you know, either the passing of someone precious or... Sometimes what might even seem worse to some is just living in an antagonizing state of continual illness that is draining, exhausting, wearying, and, and, and struggling. And so, yet I look around this room and I see you that 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 was your circumstance. But today you're here, you're better, you're well, you are recovered that is behind you. You're not feeling what you felt. You're not dealing with what you dealt with. And uh, your circumstances have changed uh, incredibly. And, and we rejoice in that. And we thank God for turning those circumstances around. And so there are those here tonight that may feel like uh, this is a dark day. This is a hard day. This is a hard situation And I don't see my way out. I don't see how to get over this. And uh, I I don't know that it will ever recover. I don't know. It might be a relationship. I don't know that it would ever reconcile. I don't know that we'll ever get this together. It might be your finances. You might be in a situation that it just looks like there is no way out. Uh, We are seeing in our current economy... Uh, A trajectory of which there are those who are looking and saying we will never be able to afford a house, we will never be able to afford a workable vehicle, we will never be able to afford and we are looking at a generation that sees bleakness on the horizon that that they they simply feel like there is no hope. And I'm not saying that our hope is in this world or of this world for there is no promise of that but i do know that the bible says the lord knows where we're at and he knows where we're headed for he says i know the thoughts that i think toward you notice that that is a that is not a past term a past tense term but this is one that he has thought he is thinking and will continue to think because these are the thoughts that he thinks toward us saith the lord thoughts of peace and not of evil but to give us an expected end i'm glad that he knows my end from the beginning why does that matter because the bible tells us that he is the author and the finisher of our faith he is the beginning and the end the alpha omega he is not just that which starts us out but he is that which completes us and brings us to the fullness of fruition. I've got news for you. If there's anything I know about God, he will not leave you in the middle of the miracle. Amen. He will not leave you in the middle of your miracle, and your miracle may look more like a mess right now. But that's a perfect opportunity for the Lord to show up you don't believe me ask his followers who were on the ship in the middle of the sea when the storm had tossed it and Jesus walks on the waves the very thing the very thing that was threatening their life was that which brought him to where they were amen it could be that what god is wanting to do is the very thing that seems to threaten your existence is the mechanism by which god will grow in your life so he knows the end from the beginning, and He does not start anything He cannot finish. God is at work, and God is on time. I wish somebody would believe that tonight, because He is working in your life, and God is an on-time God. Amen. We we love this passage because it does give us hope, because the Lord is thinking uh, good thoughts toward us, and He has us in His mind. The Bible tells us that He sought. David, because there was a man that was on his mind, or that he was mindful of. And I don't believe that's a one-time occurrence, but Jeremiah tells us that each of us can cling to this promise, that the thoughts of the Lord are on us and toward us, and toward our expected end. Amen. This passage is toward the end of the book of Jeremiah, but if we look back to the beginning, Another passage that we use often in conjunction, and sometimes we just kind of mix the two together, Jeremiah 1 and 5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. This is talking about the womb of the mother. This is, this is talking about that formation, the, 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 the incredible study of the gestation of a child, that, that embryo that is formed. Uh, at the union of the mother and the father, that gift of life, that spectacular miracle that occurs, that, that incredible gift that only God could allow. And he makes it emphatic in this passage that that is not just a scientific occurrence, that is not just a biological happening, but the Bible tells us that we were formed in the mother's womb or belly. Amen. I believe this is speaking about more than just ten toes and ten fingers. I believe this is more than just about whether you're going to have your mama's or your daddy's nose or eyes. But I believe he is talking about the cumulative effect of your humanity. I'm talking about who you are as a person, your personality, the uniqueness of your talents and gifts that makes you especially you. There is no one like you. There has never been another you, there will never be another you. And so that that person that he put together in the womb of your mother, he said, I knew thee. I I knew who you were. And before you came out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet. To the nations. And so we have here a God that is incredibly cognizant and aware of who we are because before we were even birthed, he had a purpose and a plan for our life. I just want to tell somebody, it doesn't matter what you've been told all your life, you're not a mistake. Let me tell somebody, you're not a burden. You're, you're, you're not uh God God was instrumental amen however it was that you were born whatever circumstances brought you about amen God did not waste that opportunity to do something spectacular in your life in your formation there is no one else like you i can't do your job i can't fulfill your purpose I can't take your place, and neither can you take my place or do what I am called to do for the kingdom of God. And that doesn't mean, Pastor, this church. I'm talking about we all have a purpose that goes beyond any office that we fill or any vocation or occupation, but we have a purpose that is designed by God and ordained by Him, and you were made on purpose for a reason. Let me tell you something, the greatest satisfaction that is ever going to come out of your life is not going to be the accumulation of things in this life that, that, that this world would tell you and society would inform you that would make you feel good about your life. You cannot buy enough, you cannot earn enough, nor can you enjoy enough in the realm of possessions or what you have. You cannot get Or attain a position high enough to fulfill that sense of purpose. But if you will find the purpose that God ordained for you, if you will find what you were made for, amen, and that does not have to be some hidden secret. God will reveal it to you. God will equip you for it, and God will position you in it but when you are living in your purpose, it is the greatest sense of fulfillment you will find anywhere in your life. Amen. And it's because God had a plan for you. And he said, before I formed thee in, your, in the belly, I knew you. Before, before I formed you, before that, that, that egg was ever uh, uh, brought into life, before there was ever that seed that, that brought life to that egg. And I, I, I know, amen, what we are talking about here it, it seems so natural. And, it, and it if it hadn't been for the mama getting with the daddy. But let me tell you, the Bible says before any of that ever happened, I knew who you were. You're more than just a product of a union between two persons. You're more than just an accident or something that happened. But the Lord says, I formed you in the belly, but before that ever happened, I knew who you were, and before you came out of the womb, I sanctified and I ordained thee. I ordained thee. And so I want you to know, there is absolutely no mistake about who you are, amen, and what God has for you in this life. I want to return our thoughts back to Jeremiah 29, 11. says, I know the thoughts I have toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. So we can take these two verses, we can put them together and understand there is nobody in this house that is a mistake in God's eyes. And I'm going to say this clearly because I don't know what you've been told you are and I don't know what you've been told you, who you are. But it doesn't matter what you've been told or insinuated or made to feel. Amen. All that matters is who does God say that I am? Who does God? Some of the greatest people in Scripture were disdained and not even uh, wanted by those who should have been closest to them. David The man after God's own heart, when when the prophet came to his house and said, God has sent me to anoint. Amen. David was not even considered. David was not even thought of. He was left in the field. His brothers were brought before. And Samuel says, these men are such fine specimens. Of course, there's a king in this house. Because of their stature and because of who they were. And yet God wanted nothing to do with them. And he said, there's another yet. The overlooked, the forgotten, and the forsaken, and the one that even the mother and the father didn't even consider bringing in from the field was the one that God said, that's the one I've had my eye on. I got news for you. God has had his eye on you when nobody else did. God has had you in mind when nobody even gave you a thought. Amen. When we were lost in our sin, when we were outward and wayward, when we were forgotten and forsaken, God had a plan for us. Wherever you've been, whatever trail that has been, some of us have been in jail, some of us have been incarcerated, some of us have been in habits that kept us bound, not just for days, weeks, and months, but years and decades, but even in that bondage, even while we were keeping the bar stools hot, God had a plan on us that wouldn't quit, Even when we were looking through bars, even when we had the things wrapped around our arm and we were in an uh, intoxicated stupor, uh, God had plans for us. Even when we were squandering and wasting our life, God has always had a plan. I'm glad you're here but I'm speaking not only to those that are in this place but this city is full as well of people that God knows who they are and God knows where they are. I I, I spoke about it recently. We must remember and understand we are not in this by ourselves but we are partnered together, yes with one another but with God as well. Why is it so imperative that we understand that? Because there is a harvest that we can not see, because there are people that God intends to use, that God intends to bring in, and that God wants, that that they were born with as much purpose as you and I were, but they're not here today. But while we don't know where they are, and we may not even know who they are, God knows right where they are, and the same mercy and grace of God that called us and brought us, who would have thought you and I would be here doing what? What we're doing. But God did because he had thoughts toward us and he does the same thing for others that are not here yet. And that's why I'm preaching this way and hanging and lingering on this point because I want you to understand and I want this voice to carry. We know these walls cannot contain the word of God, but I speak not only to those that are in this room, but I speak across this community right now to that person that is walking into the tavern, to that person that is sitting in a drunken stupor, to that Person that feels like giving up at home and quitting, and even suicidal thoughts because I don't know what to do and I have no purpose and there's no hope for my life. But I've come to speak over not just this congregation but this city that God knows who you are and God knows where you are, and God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Some of you are going to see children come in that have cursed God, that have cursed church, that have cursed everything. You're going to see grandchildren that have spat at this church church and said, I don't want anything to do with it. But you're going to watch them be restored and returned because God has a purpose for them in their life. Amen. And God has his thoughts toward them. There's no circumstance or situation that can remove them from the attention of God. There's nothing they can do. There's nowhere they can go. There's nothing they can say that can remove them from the intent and the thoughts of God. I want you to understand this City is saturated with people that God has on His mind, just like David out in the out in the wilderness, and David out in the fields, and forgotten and left alone and left behind. That person you're driving beside, that person you arrive to work with, that one that you're shopping beside, those ones that you that have moved in next door, and 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 they're not friendly and they're not easy to get along with. But but yet God knows who they are. God knows where they are and God has a plan for them before they were ever in the womb of their mother he knew them and he ordained yes he did yes he did I can believe that for you and me you can believe that for us but can you believe that for someone we've never met this city is full of people that God this same passage applies to them Amen. So, so, so where do we go from here where do we go from here? The Lord says, I knew the thoughts I had toward you, saying the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. The next verse says, Then shall ye call upon me. Then shall you call upon me. The continuation or the awareness that God has an expected end toward us, for us, should compel us and move us onward. In other words, let me just say it like this. We cannot stop at this passage that says, I knew you, I have plans for you, I have good thoughts toward you, I want peace for you, and an expected end." Oh, that's awesome. Let me just sit back and wait and rest in the blessings of God. Thank God for his blessings. Thank God for what he gives us that we could not ever earn or deserve. But I've got news for you. It does not stop there. But the prophet tells us that the word come to him that ye shall, then shall ye call upon me. Amen. When we get this understanding of who we are in Christ and who we are in God's eyes, there should be a compelling, and I hope there's something today that moves us forward. Then shall we call upon the Lord. And ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. I want you to understand there's three things here that is being said. There's three things here that is being said. And it's 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 call, come and pray. There's there there, there is The calling upon the Lord there is the coming and praying and then there is the hearing and the listening I I, this is in this is in direct uh, this is in direct um, comparison to Isaiah 1 and 12 let's go there Isaiah 1 and 12 says when you shall appear before me now let me let me explain that both of these passages are written about the people of God in a time where they have been removed from their homeland They've been taken to a foreign place. This is where the scriptures would be written out of psalms. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange place? Our captors have required of us mirth, but but we can't sing the Lord's song in a strange place, so we've hanged our harps upon the willow. We've given up our joy. We've given up our song. We've given up our hope. We're just, we're just strangers uh, in, in a barren land, And and yet it's in this season. Both of these passages that we have read is in this time of 70 years when they have been taken into captivity and and isaiah says when you shall come to appear before me who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts in other words who called you to come into my courts who told you to walk before me he said bring no more vain oblations incense is an abomination unto me and new moons and sabbaths and the calling of assemblies I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meaning. He's saying, even in your solemn meetings, even in your gatherings, all of your sanctimonious duties, all these things you do in my name, he said it's for naught. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. Wow, hang on. We just talked about the benevolence of God and his kindness and his thoughts toward us. So this, this sounds a little different. He says, they are a trouble unto me and I am weary to bear them. In other words, I'm sick to death of y'all. I'm sick to death of y'all. You've exhausted me. You have wearied me. I'm tired of your sorry selves. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear you. Your hands are full of blood. There's not much worse than can be said than When you call on me, I will shut my ears to your prayers. And yet that is what God said about these people. This is toward the beginning of their captivity. And yet I've read to you toward the end of it that that same word of judgment that come and said, I am fed up, I am tired of dealing with this mess, I am over it, I'm over you, and don't even call on me because I'm not listening. That same God did he come to and say, and that's why the beauty of this passage is such that he says, I know the thoughts that I have toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call on me. In other words, the God that said, you call on me and I won't hear, you pray and I won't respond, has turned a corner and he's come around and said, all right. Then you will call on me, and you shall go and pray unto me. And he's talking about gathering together and coming into the temple. And he says, when you go and pray, I will hearken unto you. What an incredible promise this is that after a season of time where he said, pray and I won't hear, come and I won't move, I will not receive you. Why do you even come before me? What makes you even want to come into my presence? I won't receive you. All that you're doing—it's a stench in my nostrils—and yet he has come back around to the point of saying, "Now I want you to—I want you when you understand who you are to me—that ought to bring us to a place of prayer." What, What I think we can extrapolate from this passage is there have been times in our lives when we, in our behavior, actions, and otherwise, we have put enmity between us and God to where we were not able to come before Him when our prayers were halted and stopped. But the Bible teaches us that there comes a point, amen, when we have been reconciled and we have been brought back together and when His thoughts are toward us, then, then, then is when we ought to call upon the Lord and we should come to pray before Him and He will hearken unto us. And He says, And ye shall Seek me. Look at, look at what direct opposite this is of the other passage. When you come before me, you will find me. And when you search with, for me with all of your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all nations and from all places where I have driven you, saith the Lord. I will bring you again into the place that I caused you to be carried away. In other words, I'm the one that scattered and dispersed you. But I will bring you back from those extreme locations and I will put you in one place again. Let me tell you, the harmony and the unity that is in this church and what God is doing in this place, amen, is not anything to be taken lightly. But God has drawn people from all quarters of this world, from all types, all personalities, all backgrounds, and all situations. And that is not a mistake. But I believe this passage is being fulfilled right before our eyes, that he is drawing, he is bringing together, and he is turning away the captivity. He is turning away the things that have caused us to be bound. Habits, ways of life, and ways of thinking, and ways of behavior that would cause us to be so repugnant in the eyes and in the nostrils of God that we would be expelled from His presence. He is delivering us from those things. He is causing us to be drawn together. I believe that what God is doing in this church, if we will heed His word, and if we will respond to what He's doing, we will not be able to contain what is happening because yes you and I let's pass out a card let's invite we should do everything we could to reach everyone around us but may I tell you that in my heart of hearts I feel that God is doing a work of drawing that is beyond our ability amen there was no way those who he is speaking to had the ability to go out and draw in from every quarter that they had been scattered and say come on now it's time for us to to go back to the house of God. But I believe it was a God thing. And I believe we are going to watch people that said they would never darken the doors of this church. I believe we are going to see people who said they would never come into a church like this. They would never belong to a church like this. We'd never be a tongue talker. I'll never be one of those that clap, sing, and dance and do all that foolishness. We are going to watch because God is going to draw from all corners, amen, where people people have been scattered but it'll be a thing that only God can do and while we participate and we do our part because we're going to do what he told us to do and that is and then we call on the name of the Lord and then we gather together and pray and then we draw near and nigh unto him and he says I will receive you and I'll bring you in and I'll hear your prayer and I will answer against the captivity that has worked against you and others And I believe God is going to bring us great deliverance to this community. I'm not willing just to sit back and say, Hey, God formed me. He has a plan for me. He has good thoughts toward me. What good does that do if I never step forward into the fulfillment of them? What good is it if he has a plan if I never allow him to activate it in me? What good is it if there was something he ordained from the beginning of my, my life's existence, if I never allow it to be fulfilled, and my question to us tonight, what is it that God is wanting to bring into existence in your life and in my mind? I propose to you that we will never know without being obedient to this scripture. Then you shall call on me, and you shall come and pray unto me. I will hearken unto you.